Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hello, 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 you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Birth Lounge Podcast. Y'all, today's guest, I'm so excited for this podcast. First of all, this is a conversation that so many of you are needing to hear and so many of you probably wish you had had when your baby was first born. I'm also super excited because this is with one of my good friends, Anna McMillan, who she and I actually met through an entrepreneur coaching group. Um, And we quickly realized that we were two peas in a pod, that we have similar outlooks, we like to support families in similar ways, um, and that we totally recognize the deficits in parenting and how our society kind of supports parents. And so, of course, Anna and I kind of hooked up from day one and, you know, we love to support you together. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about your newborn sleep and all the things that you need to know um, when it comes to your baby and establishing healthy Uh, sleep routines and understanding your baby's sleep cues and how can you prevent things like witching hours. So before we dive in, Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. We really are two peas in a pod. And it's kind of funny. We met in an entrepreneurial group because we're both kind of like no fuss. Like we just need to help parents. Let's not get caught up in all the marketing. (laughs) Just give me the parents. I'll give you the information. Let's go. And also our no BS approach, right? One of the things that I love about you is that you are a straight shooter. Same. Um, And not only do I like to give information in that manner, but I also like to receive information in that manner. I like how when we get together, it is no BS and it's all business. And, you know, we can really accomplish so much when we are together. So um, let's let's dive in, Anna. Let's. Um, so first of all, I want to mention that Anna is located in Canada, but she also has sleep consultants in the U.S. So if you are, no matter kind of where you're listening, you're listening, and something that we say today, and you're like, oh wow, I. I need that in my life or, oh, wow, I I really should have some support around this. Please reach out to Anna and Little Week Sleep. Um, They are our sleep consultants in the birth lounge and for our Tranquility by Hee Hee clients. So, you know, 
you are getting you're getting the it gal when it comes to sleep and and our support. But and a lot of parents have questions around creating, um, you know, these sleep routines or sleep training. When does that happen? I'm a big proponent of setting up sleep routines from day one because it's inappropriate to actually sleep train a newborn baby. Before we talk about establishing a sleep routine and kind of what that looks like, can you give us the difference between a sleep routine and actually sleep training? Yeah. So a sleep routine and sleep training is totally different. Um, and you've got to look at the foundations. So when we work with like little, little babies or where we have a course called nurturing newborn sleep, and that is all about the foundations, because if you are going to sleep train you, if you don't have your foundation sorted, it's not going to work anyway, as well as like, when you look at um, your sleep health and hygiene and your foundations from the beginning, there are things that need to be in place regardless of how a child gets to sleep. So sleep training is looking at the child's like how they're getting to sleep. So this is my ABC. This is what I need to go to bed. I, and for you, that might be like turning off the, like making sure the lights are turned off, locking the front door, brushing your teeth. When we look at a child's um, like sleep routines and health, what we're looking to do is actually set up really healthy habits. So if you think about the habits that are going to last a lifetime, those are the things that we really want to concentrate on as a newborn. So we're looking at how are we communicating with our baby? How are they communicating with us? They're actually trying to tell us an awful lot. And Babies are born with 12 to 15 different cries. And if we answer the same time with everything, they actually narrow that down. And so we want to really like have our baby feel like they're able to communicate what is happening in us. We're able to listen to them. And then those communication tracks that really go together. So if they signal they're tired, then you're having a routine that you're able to communicate back to them. So it's opening up those communication lines. It's also looking at those sleep hygiene things. So making sure that we're getting everything in that we need, that quality time, that um, brushing teeth when they're older, <laughs> that calming down before bedtime, pajamas. I know for me as a newborn mom, um, especially the second time around, it was just like pajamas, pajamas, pajamas. And I just wanted to keep them in pajamas. And then my first one, I was like, I need to change outfits. Every time anything got on an outfit, it had to change, right? And so setting up those realistic expectations, even for yourself as a parent, what is healthy sleep hygiene? Yeah, my child does need to change outfits once a day. Like it, that that's a good idea. And the bedtime routine, having pajamas is a really good sleep signal for a baby to be like, ah, it's sleep time. So when we're looking at what is like routines, we're looking at those long haul things that are going to help a child communicate, feel safe and signal that sleep is coming. When we look at sleep training, we're editing, not editing, but we're kind of like adjusting, helping them shape how they want to get to sleep that they feel comforted and safe in that. So to kind of put it simply, sleep routines are laying 
those habits. Sleep training is training and kind of manipulating the habits that we've laid to make sure that they are in alignment with getting good sleep. So hypothetically, and we can see this in our clients with TBH who have us for overnight care um, or have us for sleep support, is if you lay those healthy boundaries and that foundation, those healthy habits from the beginning with your sleep routines, it's possible that you'll never have to actually formally sleep train because you might have already kind of laid all those foundations and your baby just needs a little support through growth spurts. There's going to be natural growth spurts, right? About the the four-month sleep leap. We like to call it a leap because your baby's gaining skills versus a regression. But the six-month sleep leap, you get it again around a year and 15 months, right? They're natural kind of divots when it comes to sleep. But um sleep training can get a really bad rap, right? People can sometimes make it seem really scary or super intense and it doesn't (laughs) always have to be like that. And that's exactly it. Like when we have really good foundations, a baby feels confident and safe in expressing their need for sleep. And so the need for sleep training doesn't actually always arise because we're able to make sure that they're, they're everything's in line. And when a baby has great like communication skills. Like you have that kind of jiving between parent and baby from the beginning going, Hey, I'm tired. I need sleep. And mom being like, I recognize that that is a sleep cue here sleep. Then they don't feel like they're going, they're grasping at straws as much. And so, yeah, you know, tools. You've equipped them with the tools Mm -hmm. to, to actually get themselves to sleep. And along the way, you have let them know that they are safe, which gives them the confidence that they're able to do it themselves. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah, like, and sleep training, you know, I know there's going to be some parents listening to this who are like, oh, well, like, you know, we're, we're not at ground zero. Like we've got some bad habits in place. There's no reason why you can't adjust your sleep routines that are going to be really healthy shifts that are not, that are not kind of brutal. It doesn't need to be like cry it out and really tough. Yeah. It needs to be focused and strategic, but that's why we have healthy sleep routines right from the beginning. And that's why when you change sleep for babies, it needs to be, you need to have a plan about how you're going to do it. And we need to do it strategically and consistently. So that then baby is like, I know when mom or dad makes a change that this is like, I can trust that I can lean into it. Then they're able to lean into those sleep skills that they already have, because there's no such thing as like a good or a bad sleeper. Like, I really want to like, it's just like one of those myths that I'm like, I could just walk around and be like, there's no such thing. (laughs) Because to be honest, 25 to 50% is genetic. And so that means 50 to 75 is learnt behavior. So if 50 to 75 is learnt behavior, that's the bit that is the greater portion that we need to focus on. And in, a, in, in mom and dad's genetics, it's not to say they get t- like all of that unhealthy sleep kind of like that, like that um, like genetic predisposition to poor sleep. 
because a lot of what as adults that we have poor sleep in is really determined by like the fact we have electricity. So we're able to be up all the time. Like it's very, very skewed as to if even adults are good sleepers or bad sleepers, right? So even if you have sleep apnea, it doesn't mean that your baby's going to have sleep apnea. And so we want to focus on that 50 to 75% part of sleep where we're able to really support our children and we're able to say, this is how we can set them up for success it, and really do it in a way that your child's feeling confident and safe, but we're setting them up for it. We're not being like, you're a terrible sleeper. You've got no hope. It's saying, yeah, there's good sleepers. There's bad sleepers. No, that's not true. You're a sleeper you need sleep, our bodies need sleep. We just need to figure out some really good communication skills and foundations for you. I love that so much. So I love that you say there's no good and bad sleepers. There's just babies who need additional support or different support than what we're providing them, right? Um, And that is fascinating about the genetics. I had no idea. It makes me think about, um, you know, when adults say that they just can't sleep, but they have only tried diffusing lavender oil in their room. I want to be like, have you looked at your screen time before bedtime? Have you looked at your actual routine before bedtime? Have you um, looked at your stress levels? What about your diet? Are you consuming coffee at 6 p.m. and then trying to go to bed at 9 p.m.? Like that's never going to work. And so that's that is super fascinating to me. Okay. So along the same lines of sleep routines versus training, let's talk about establishing, you know, uh, these routines. I am a firm believer that we do that from day one. There are many parents out there who may not believe that is true. What does the evidence say about setting kind of healthy habits? Should you start that from day one? Absolutely. Like, you're in the first two weeks, our first goal is feeding for sure. Like a baby will like, they'll sleep. However, and like, we need to make sure we're getting them back up to birth weight. We need to make sure we're gaining weight. Absolutely. However, are there things that you can do from day one? For sure. And even if you're like going, oh, well, I don't want to interfere. Like you're, you're going, well, what about my baby? My baby's fine. You need the routines. Like as a parent, I want to say as a parent of three, because we did foster care beforehand, but we have two biological children. So we just count the third one as ours, even though he's not with us anymore. But even back then we needed the routine because otherwise you feel lost and the days merge together, but your baby needs the routine too. I'm going to give you three reasons why your baby needs routine in the day and why you need routine in the day. First of all, the most like determining factor in sleep is your circadian rhythm. So that's your body clock. Your baby, when the first born is going off your body clock when you were pregnant. So what we need to do is we actually need to have healthy routines in there. So we're able to bring that body clock into alignment with day and night because you probably went to bed at 10 or 11 when you were pregnant. So baby's body clock is at like 10 or 11. So we need to shuffle that back to 7 p.m. slowly, right? And they need to start understanding day and night. And the way they do that is by having day and night, having routines that say it is nighttime. Because it is nighttime, 
we do a bath, we do our pajamas, we do a feed, and we also do a dark room. Whereas during the morning, we want to have routines going, it is daytime. Here is morning time, there's music on, there is lights happening, we're feeding in the daytime, right? And so this is why we want to kind of have that, that day and night and that routine. The second thing is, is that for a baby, they need to have quality awake time during the day. And this is different during the night. Um, during the day, the reason why we want to have these routines is that they need to understand how to how to know that their body is tired, right? They've had this huge transition. They've come out into the world and they know the womb. And to be honest with you, at like 29 weeks pregnant, they're having like 10% awake time. The rest is sleep. And so you think by like 37 weeks, they're only having 20% awake time. When they come out, they're having 47 at, at sorry, not 47, they're having 40% awake time, 30 to 40%. And so you think 30, 40%, that's a huge leap in the amount of awake time. And so they're like, and super stimulating compared to what it was. So we need to help direct that because what happens is that we end up with an overtired baby and overtired babies are kind of crazy and manic. You'll be like, oh my goodness, look, she's smiling at me. And really what your baby is like, I am so overwhelmed. I'm so overtired. Please just help me get sleep because I am just done. And then you're like, she was so happy a minute ago. And now she's screaming and I can't care. Like I can't calm her down. So we need to help babies have that downtime. We need to help them have that sleep. Babies sleep when they're going to sleep isn't necessarily true because they're trying to manage so, so much new, right? Like you think of when you start a new job and you're like, I thought I had the capacity for this. And there's just so many things flying at me that you don't feel like you can do it. And so we need to support them in that. And so the first reason is we need to support that that circadian rhythm. The second thing is, is that sleep pressure, that overtiredness, we need to be right on top of that. And then the third thing is, I know I sound like a broken record, but we need to communicate with our babies. Already, they have an opinion. <laughs> and I and I know it's kind of hard to think of, but it's true, they have an opinion. And we need to be able to start that communication from day one. They will know that bedtime routine by like week three or four, just from consistency. Like if you think like when your baby is small, you'll notice that when you sit down and you put a nursing cloth over you or you un, like if you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding and they smell that milk, they know what to do because they're doing it so many times a day. That communication habit of like the nursing cloth that is a cue for them that yes, it's feeding time and we need to do the same thing with sleep so that that two-way communication is opened up. I love that all so much. I mean, you don't sound like a broken record to me. I'm over here doing a little jig because you're just, it feels so good to not be a sleep consultant, but have a sleep consultant say exactly what I typically tell parents. I mean, it just, it makes you feel so good to say, I have found somebody that understands sleep because unfortunately there are so many sleep consultants out there who got into this business for a quick buck or because they think it's easy work. Um, and, and 
the way that you set your child up from the beginning with sleep will impact the rest of their life. So it, it, it's much more than just, um, you know, getting sleep right here in the beginning because you're tired. It truly is a biological um, system that we're working with. So it's incredibly important that we're using science and evidence-based approaches. So we talked about an overtired baby. And for listeners, if you don't know about overtired babies, this is generally a product of a baby who has missed a wake window. So Anna, talk to us about wake windows. When we are talking about a newborn baby in those first kind of two weeks, what does that look like? And then maybe the first few months after birth through that first you know, maybe that fourth trimester, what are we looking at as far as wake windows? How long should our baby be asleep? And then what if our baby isn't appearing tired at the end of that wake window? Should we intentionally put them to sleep or do we continue to play with them? A lot of people will say, oh, my baby will sleep when they're tired. They know what to do. But you and I know that that's not true. Step us through that. What does that look like? Yeah. So those an awake window is sleep pressure and that buildup what happens is as you're awake and you even have this as an adult, so this rule applies to you as well, we have a limit of a chemical called adenosine that we're able to handle, okay? Adenosine is this buildup and the more you're awake, the bigger the adenosine buildup gets. Now, here's like a side point. Coffee comes in and actually blocks the adenosine between the adenosine buildup and the sleep receptives. Coffee goes in the middle. So that's why we get a coffee crash. That's just for all you mamas there. It's because you take away the caffeine and it goes, boom, we're all together. So for what happens for a baby is we have this buildup of adenosine instead of having the coffee block it or the, the technology block it or whatever it is. For them, they get this other burst of cortisol. Cortisol is our fight, flight, or freeze hormone. And so we think that they're like, oh yeah, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. But they get this burst of cortisol and then that sends them into fight, flight, or freeze. And often that means that they become very manic. So when they're happy, when they're sad, they kind of flip back and forth. For a newborn in the first couple of weeks, it looks like staring off into the distance or screaming. That's generally what overtiredness will look like for a baby. They'll either get kind of like get so overwhelmed that they're just zoned out um, or they'll, they'll kind of have that like something's wrong, something's wrong feeling. And that's where we kind of get that crying from. And that builds up over the day. If you think of it like a bathtub, adenosine fills up, fills up, fills up. If we don't empty the bathtub, it's going to overflow. Okay, so the plug is like a nap. We don't get to fully drain the bathtub till nighttime, but we need to at least let some water out so that it doesn't overflow. Because when it overflows, all self-regulation goes out the window. All coordination goes out the window all like anything that cognitively happens for a child in the neurocortex, like the front of the brain goes out the window when they're overtired. Anyway, just got geeky on you for a moment, but we have this buildup and we need to relieve it by having a nap. And so for a newborn baby, they generally can only handle 45 minutes of awake time. And this is why we feel like they're napping constantly because you get them up, you change their diaper, you feed them and you're like, oh, 
45 minutes is gone. Especially when you're like new to feeding, bottle breastfeeding doesn't matter. It's still like a whole new rodeo to get used to. And so you're like, oh my goodness, we've got like three minutes. And then this baby's, oh no, hang on, it's already asleep. (laughs) However, if we're like, you know what, you don't need sleep right now. And we push or say you're near that wake window and then you hand them off to a stranger and then they're like, I don't feel safe. I I can't fall asleep. Then we're going to get a baby who's overtired. And so as they get older, these awake windows extend. And this is where we naturally get nap transitions coming from is because they're able to handle more and more and more awake time. During the first half of the day, we have residual melatonin from the night um, rather than during later in the day, we don't. And this is where witching hour actually happens is because we have this buildup of overtiredness from across the day. We have no melatonin production from the morning. And so they're just like, oh my gosh, this is just like too much for me to handle. So what would you do with a baby who you're not sure of their awake time and you're like, oh, they don't seem tired. I don't know if I should put them down. First of all, is you want to make sure that they're exhibiting that exact kind of temperament for at least four to six days at that awake time. So I don't want you to extend awake times just because it happened last nap, right? Just because it happened once does not mean that that is like acute that your baby now needs an hour awake time. What it means is that you need to pay attention to what happens over the next couple of days and you need to stay consistent. The number one thing that reduces crying is consistency. And so just stay consistent. If you're seeing that your baby is not ready to sleep, not showing sleep cues at around that 45 minute mark, then give them an extra five minutes. We're only talking an extra five to 10 minutes. Don't go in leaps of bounds of like an extra half hour. So my rule of thumb is like with 45 minutes when they're they're itty bitty newborns, And then by 12 weeks, two hours, sorry, no, an hour and a half, (laughs) an hour and a half at 12 weeks and at 16 weeks, two hours. Okay. So then you're kind of like that good benchmarks for you to kind of pace yourself. You're only looking for an hour and a half by 12 weeks. So that means by eight weeks, we're looking for about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes. That's still not a lot. So kind of have a lot of grace for yourself in this period of time. They're going to sleep a lot. It is going to change. They are going to want to play with you later in life and more. And you're going to get to the point where it's like, you play with me so much. Why won't you nap? Right? Like the tables turn. And I know you're so excited that the baby's like finally here and you want to play with them. However, cognitively, to process the new skills, the new skills actually happen during sleep. So we need sleep. You can play with them later. It's going to happen. They will engage with you. So what are we going to do if a baby is already overtired and you're like listening to this and you look down and your baby's just like zoned completely out, their eyes are massive, and then they're starting to get fussy. What are we going to do? So I'm going to give you three tips of what you can do. First thing is I want some skin-to-skin contact for a newborn, okay? They are going to regulate off your heart rate. And if you are panicky, I want you to practice some good deep breathing. I want you to regulate. 
right there. This is not the time when a baby's overtired. It is not the time to try a bassinet or crib nap. Okay. Secondly, an overtired newborn, it's okay if they want to soothe or they want to feed a little bit. Like they're just trying to regulate what we're, it's not to say that we're like wanting to create habits where we're always feeding to sleep or anything like that. But there are times in a newborn's life, they just need, like help a girl out. Like, and it's okay. <laughs> and then the third thing is, is like replicate things that are going to be familiar to them. So this is where often holding their arms and rocking them, holding them close to your body. Or maybe it's like sound. My first baby always, always overstimulated by sound and still is today. And so you just put your hands over their ears, one like shoulder, head on your shoulder, hand over their ear and hold them tight. Like in this moment for a newborn, we are the regulation system. As they get older, we need to like let them be a little bit more, but you'll definitely be able to do that when they're able to know their awake windows. So watch out for that 45 minute point. Set an alarm on your phone because when you actually also see that, you're also going to see sleep cues, which is getting to know your baby. You are gaining a master's degree in your baby. So study them. What are their feeding cues? What are their sleeping cues? What are their poop cues? And are they mixed all together? How can we help them differentiate those? I love that so much. You're getting a master's in your baby. That is perfect. That just gave me chills. Okay, so you told us how to reset an overtired baby, but we haven't talked about what does a tired baby look like? So what are cues that we're looking for, right? Um, you know, we see a baby. Is it just that they're crying? Is it what are parents looking for when it comes to a tired baby, but not an overtired baby? Yeah. So yawning is generally the last cue. Everyone's like, oh, my baby yawns. And that's when they're tired. Um, I'm sorry, friend, you need like five minutes to get them to bed. It takes a while. Like we need to like, you know, like once you recognize that they're tired, then you have to like, is there a poop? No. Okay. We're good in that front. Like maybe you're using a swaddle um, or a sleep sack. We've got to get that on. Like you got to give yourself some leeway. And so if yawning is like the last sleep cue before overtiredness, what comes before that? For a newborn, that's going to look different than a toddler or an infant. So an infant or a toddler, we're looking for like kind of slow down coordination. They might have a specific like finger they might suck on, or maybe they start twiddling with their hair. For newborns, often what it will look like is rubbing their face on you. Red eyes, red eyebrows. Okay. Some babies will start sneezing. Um we're looking for really physiological signs of the body being like, oh, I'm pooping out. Like, come on, <laughs> I just need a break here. Um, you'll also start seeing them kind of like suck on the roof of their mouth because often babies will use that sucking reflex. Okay, just because a baby pokes their tongue out every time doesn't necessarily mean it's always food. And there is cluster feeding for sure. But we also know that sleep can be linked to needing that, that sucking as well. So just kind of like watch out, like the first stage of sleep, we can often see a jittery jaw just kind of going like 
kind of um, gnawing on the inside of their mouth. And it's okay if they are hungry. This is kind of like where we need to be cognizant of them getting enough food. And that dance between like cluster feeding, but also not getting overtired. Yeah, so eyebrows, eyes, sneezing. Um, a lot of them will put their hands behind their heads because they're kind of like looking for those warm places or rubbing their face in your shoulder, um, finding those warm spots. So if you're seeing a baby who's like finding a warm spot, they can also start arching their back. This is where you need to start looking at your baby. So if you have a newborn, I want you to set your alarm clock on your phone for 35 minutes. I know we have 45 minutes, but during that last 10 minutes, I want you to look at like what is specific to your baby, because I can tell you, hey, yeah, like there's going to be red eyebrows. But then I've also had newborns who are like start rubbing at their ears, right? That's a very common one too. And then you'll have, this is where your baby is unique. It's generally somewhere around their face. So like it's something to do with their hands and their face. And it's kind of, I guess it's like where's Waldo in some ways. <laughs> but yeah, the eyebrows, like look at their face, study them, and then even write it down because mom brain's a real thing, guys. So write it down write it down at like kind of, oh, I, you know, 38 minutes, I saw her eyes start to get red or his, you know, his ears, he start pulling at his ears and nuzzling into my chest. Or it, maybe he's in a blank, like you've got a blanket near them and they're in the carrier and then they start like kind of writhing around a little bit. That writhing is also very normal too. And write that down so that then the next awake time, you're like, did those same things happen? And then you're able to get like kind of clue into what is your baby doing around that time so that then you're able to help your partner. Because a lot of these sleep routines can be done by your partner or by a safe person. So like a grandparent, like you're not alone in this. And the number one complaint I get from partners is just that they don't know what to do. And so if they're able to learn sleep cues with you, then you're able to really build that relationship between them as well. But you're able to rest in the fact that your partner knows your baby just as well as you do, right? Like, and I know it's different because like all of your pregnancy, they've been asking you like, what do you want for birth? How do you feel about that? What's your choice in this? And then your partner's like, oh, well, the baby's here. I want to help. I just don't know how. And so these sleep cues are a really good way and awake windows are a really good way if you're a partner listening that you can be like involved in your baby's life. You can make bedtime special and you're able to really help each other out. Totally. I mean, it gives you as the gestational or the primary parent some freedom, right? Um, you know, when that secondary parent or the non-gestational parent comes around, they'll be able to put your baby to sleep. Whereas if you're the only person that knows how to put your baby to sleep, you can't tap out even when things get rough, um, you know, because I'm a big, I say this all the time, but help is only help if it's helpful. Um, so you can't tap out and ask for help to somebody who doesn't know how to put down your baby because all they're going to be is a placeholder and you still have to, after you calm yourself down, 
go back and put your baby to sleep because this person doesn't know how. So um, yeah, incredibly important for both of you to know, you know, and, and your parents. So grandparents to, to be able to put your baby down in this, in similar ways as to keep that consistent for, for your baby. Oh my goodness. Anna, this has been packed full of such good information. Thank you so much. Now, you have a webinar for people um, to check out more sleep support, a free webinar. Is that right? Yeah. So we actually, I just recently did a newborn class that you can check out. And there was like a massive Q&A at the end. So um, we have a free class there that you are more than welcome to uh, check out. You're also always welcome to DM us on Facebook or Instagram. We are always replying to everyone. It might take us take me a little while, but I get there. But you know what? I, I want to say like the, the number one art of motherhood is knowing when your baby needs just you and knowing when you need someone else and knowing that help is okay. Like there's some moments when your child just needs that connection time. And then there's other times where for you to be the best parent, you actually need to like kind of go, I need a bit of help here. I need a bit of space. It's quality versus quantity. I love that so much. Oh my goodness, this has been an amazing episode. Not not exactly what I had planned, but this was amazing. And I think that, I think two things, there are people out there being like, dang it, why didn't I have this when my baby was born? Or people who are like, wow, how lucky that I found this right before my baby was born. For anyone listening, we are going to link all of the links. We'll link the free webinar for you. Um, we will link Little Wink Sleep for you so that you can get a hold of Anna and her team. We also, um, in the birth lounge for our members who are listening, you guys, we have a savings code for you for Anna's courses. Anna, can you tell us a little bit about your courses before we wrap up? Yeah, so we have uh, specifically for newborns, there's one called Nurturing Newborn Sleep. And basically what that does is it guides you through week by week. What foundation are we going to be working on this week? What are the strategies you can use? This is a really great one if you're like got your proactive soul or your partner's a proactive soul. But this is like, I would say this is like a must have. <laughs> I used it with my second baby. Like I wrote it and then I used it and then I released it because I just like wanted to make sure it was, and I made my husband implement it um, because I wanted to make sure like he doesn't know what I know. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure it was like really usable and we just, oh, it's just great. So we're able to focus on one thing each week and then you're able to really have your baby have those foundations. So we're not actually by the time they're 14 weeks like traditionally sleep training we're doing some tidying up between 10 and 14 weeks to make sure that everything's on point so that that four-month regression instead of being four to six weeks long is three to ten days long right that is awesome so nurturing newborns is where it's at even if your baby hasn't born yet you're able to find out what you can do during your pregnancy to support your baby's sleep so it's easier when you get there 
Um, yeah, so there's a code there. And then if you are listening and your baby is already kind of a little bit older, then we have sleep, sleep baby. And that also gives you options that you're able to then teach your baby to sleep, adjust everything so that your baby is able to thrive. And as a parent, you're able to not stress about sleep, but actually enjoy life and enjoy the ups and downs, right? Like you can go hiking and baby miss it, like have a nap on the go and not feel like panicked that they're going to wake up 16 times that night. Anyway, we're on your team. <laughs> I always love chatting to you. And we never stay on track, but that's where the magic is. <laughs> that is where all the magic happens. You guys, honestly, I cannot recommend a better sleep consultant than Anna and her team. And, and you know, I don't say that lightly. And you know that I do not recommend products or people that I don't believe in wholeheartedly. Um, so this is an honest, true testimony. I've been able to see people not sleep train and just do that tidying up that Anna is talking about. I've been able to see people say, oh my God, I, I realized my baby's five months old. We never went through the four month sleep regression. It's because you're using these, um, these safe and healthy newborn sleep foundations. It's because you set those boundaries early. It's because you did things from day one. It's because you listened to your baby's cues and you got that master's in your baby that Anna was talking about. You guys, this has been such a fun episode. Thanks for hanging out with Anna and I today. Happy Tuesday. And I will see you again on Friday for another episode of Friday Free Talk with just yours truly. Until next time, see you later. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.